this is Tori Lee Martin. Welcome to After Class. This year I had a special visitor to my classroom, a fly. He would buzz around a little bit and then settle happily on top of my smart board, perhaps attracted to the slight thrill of the electric current of the touch-capacitive surface that ran up his legs as he sat there. My students liked their new little friend and were fascinated that he would perch on the board happily at the front of the room, eagerly listening to the mathematical wonders in which we were engaged. On one particularly exciting day, he traveled down the front of my smart board and his path drew little pictures on the screen. The kids were ecstatic. I've always been a hand talker. I use my whole body when I'm speaking, a vestige of my theatrical past. My students have become used to my gestures and theatrical personality, but our new friend, the fly, was not. And one morning, as I threw up a hand to make a point about slope, I smacked that fly and it fell down dead directly into the coffee I was holding in my other hand. My students were stunned into silence as I peered mournfully into my cup. One thing every teacher indulges in is their morning rituals, the way we get ready for the onslaught of students. I bring one thermos of coffee to work. It is enough for exactly two small cups. I drink one during my first block and then another one during my second block. By 11 a.m., our lunchtime, I have managed to finish exactly one large cup of coffee, and it is only cold for half of that time. That is a real teaching coup. When I peered mournfully into that cup, it wasn't because I was sad for the fly. I was sad for my coffee. This was my first cup of the day, and because of our schedule, I wasn't going to be able to leave the room and go to the bathroom to rinse up my cup until 11 o'clock. And while I briefly entertained the thought, I just couldn't bring myself to fish out that little corpse. That fly was stuck in my coffee, and I was not going to be able to remedy the situation until lunch break. No coffee for me, cold or otherwise. There are quite a few jokes about teacher bladder, a funny nod to the fact that teachers are often confined in their rooms for hours. There are no teacher hall passes, and so we have to deny almost all bodily functions during the day. It is one of the less charming aspects of our profession. But this denial is true for our students as well. I recently read an article in The Atlantic about the tyranny of school bathrooms and about how an entire generation of students is growing up being taught to ignore their bladders, which has serious implication for a student's physical and mental health. There are many reasons this is occurring. Schools are in a desperate battle to maximize class time as attempts are made to increase test scores and demonstrate that students are growing. Teachers are instructed to teach bell to bell and that students must make the most out of every minute. This often means that hall passes to the bathroom are limited to one every six weeks as teachers try to reduce students avoiding work by hiding in the bathroom or just prevent the constant interruption. Some schools have preset bathroom breaks. This is a necessity when you are dealing with schools with large student bodies and just a few bathrooms per floor. Coordinating student use of the restroom takes up an inordinate amount of time in any large middle school, which is often surprising to new teachers who thought that worrying about the bathroom was just an issue for younger grades.
Some schools keep bathrooms locked since they are often the perfect location for undesirable behaviors, from fights to drugs to bullying. As a place without adults, the bathroom is often a lawless land. Bathrooms are a real issue, and one without a clear-cut answer. And this is without even getting into discussions of gender access. I have experienced the problem of school bathrooms as both a teacher and a parent. I can tell you in full honesty that my older son has never used a bathroom at school. When he was in middle school, the boys' bathrooms were almost always in a deplorable condition, and as a clean freak like me, my son just avoided them entirely. He was annoyed by the situation, but it never was a real issue. Oh, he hated having to stand in line on the wall during their classroom bathroom breaks, but that was the extent of the impact, and he was able to wait until he returned home to make use of the facilities. Now in high school, my older son still doesn't use the bathrooms, In a schedule densely packed with AP classes, he simply has no time as he moves from class to class. My younger son has had a very different experience. He too avoids the bathroom at his middle school. He hates how dirty they are and he abhors going in during those breaks. Too many people, too much pressure. With a shy bladder, he's not one that can go on command. His teachers at school do grant passes to the bathroom, but you have to buy them with points that they dole out for good behavior. In fact, you have to buy everything at his school. Hall passes, field trips, class parties, homework waivers. So my younger son was very reluctant to part with any points, especially since teachers would deduct points from the entire class based upon the misbehavior of a few students. In this anxiety-filled environment, my son developed difficulty going to the bathroom anywhere. His body stopped being able to listen to its own needs and landed us at the pediatric urologist. The doctor told me that this was a common problem that was escalating in her practice and that she was spending a great deal of her time writing notes to schools that said that students needed to be able to access the bathroom when they needed to. As a parent, I found the practices of my son's teachers to be abhorrent. I send him to school to learn, not to spend his time worrying that he might lose privilege points and not be able to freely go to the bathroom. But as a teacher myself, I understood their rationale, even if I didn't agree with their methods. I started off my teaching career at a huge public middle school, 1,300 students in grades 6 to 8. The school was considered difficult, simply meaning we had a lot of students that came to school dealing with a lot of personal and community-based trauma. When we weren't teaching, we were trying to deal with a host of issues from homelessness to drugs. We tried to keep our students in our classrooms as much as possible. Each classroom was a safe haven of predictability, learning, and adult supervision. Most behavioral incidents occurred during transitions when we had huge groups of students together or when students were out of sight of an adult. Because of this, bathrooms were kept locked and hall passes were seldom given. Each floor had roughly 400 students and two bathrooms. So we had carefully coordinated bathroom breaks. One of the biggest ways to get on your colleague's bad list was if you messed up the schedule because you forgot or were running behind, or if you let your kids out of the classroom to roam the hallways and stir up trouble. On my team, we gave kids two passes per six weeks to go to the bathroom, and we kept track of it. Needless to say, this was not an aspect of teaching which any of my professors highlighted while I was getting my degree but maybe it should have been. I am now at a smaller public magnet middle school. It is a school that does not have any hall passes or bells or 
bathroom breaks, or walking in a line, part of its self-directed concept. If a kid needs to go to the bathroom or get a drink of water, we'd let them go. The difference in atmosphere between this and my former school is remarkable. It seems so odd that within the same public school district, we have such profoundly different methods for dealing with students. But here's the deal. Neither is perfect. At my new school, with its air of implicit trust and respect, we've had to start locking bathrooms in the morning and afternoons. Vaping and vandalism have become real issues. We are almost too lenient and trusting, and students have begun to act up in the absence of authority. At my old school, strict rules for walking in lines and regimented restroom times didn't keep all the ills at bay either. Fights and drugs were still present, but students lacked freedoms that, by and large, they could and should be trusted with. I am also sympathetic with my students' desire to be able to freely move around, to get a drink of water when they want to, or to go to the restroom, or just take a five-minute break, because I would like to as well. Every teacher knows the exasperation of being confined to a small space for hours on end. So what is the answer? It certainly can't be a free-for-all. Can you imagine 1,300 middle school students moving about whenever they wanted, however they wanted? But we need to be able to honor the individual physical needs of our students while maintaining a safe, educationally sound learning environment. In my view, a good starting point would be to employ principles of consistency, fairness, and a uniform approach. More freedom should not be given students just because they attend a certain school, and equally teachers should not clamp down on students' freedoms when they feel like there is chaos outside their doors. We need to have a broader conversation about this, and I think this would be a great subject for school-wide discussions and a more practical and impactful use of our time than many of the recent embedded PDs I've attended. Share your thoughts with me on this podcast's website at www.after-class.us or on my Twitter feed at Tori Lee Martin. And join me next time after class. (laughs) 